for over a decade, I shopped and worked at my local comic shop. One of the best parts about hanging out there was comparing notes on what I was reading with folks who shared my passion for comics. My comic shop is gone now, but we can still hold on to the magic of that in-store discussion. This is My Comic Shop Book Club. Welcome to My Comic Shop Book Club. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the Brian K. Vaughn, Tony Harris series, Ex Machina, is novelist Rob Hart. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. I, I won't lie, you are the biggest name guest that I've had so far. This is this is quite exciting here for my comic shop. <laughs> oh book God, club. God, I I, I I hope that's not true. Um, <laughs> no one knows who I am. No, well, you are you are a true novelist. Uh, your your book, The Warehouse, um, was optioned by Ron Howard's Imagine Entertainment. Uh, I know you're working on a new novel uh, at the moment, correct? Yes. Uh, well, uh, technically, it's kind of done now. Um, it's called uh, Paradox Hotel, and it's it's about time travel, which I, in retrospect, now that it's done, I feel a little bit better about it. When I was actually writing it, I really regretted writing about time travel because I almost gave me and my editor a brain aneurysm. But um, but yeah, no, that's uh, it's a fun one. It's going to come out next year. Um, it's being developed for TV, and and things are just moving along. So that's that's really exciting. No, congratulations. So you and I met. It was at least two years ago now i think it was around the time the warehouse was coming out yeah i was you know i was trying to figure that out because it's like it was a while ago and and it's really hard to judge time right now because we live in sort of like this strange like liminal space of like nothing matters anymore um but yeah it was at the the library festival it was up in connecticut and um it was the westport library right yeah, yeah, it was their yeah, uh, their their big yeah. festival, and I moderated. Uh, you know, you were one of their their guests, and I moderated a panel with you, uh, Image Comics writer Sebastian Gerner, and uh, legendary comics creator Paul Kupperberg. Uh, it was, yeah, uh, it was the three of you guys, and, and we had a great chat. It was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it was a super fun panel. It was it was a fun event. Um, I was I was really bummed when uh yeah I guess it was two years ago because last year they were supposed to do it and and I was going to do it again and it turned into like an online only thing so um you know and and I still I, I still did like the online portion of it which was fun but you know I'm hoping to get up there again at some point because it, it, it was a nice festival yeah for sure uh, so I'm glad that you know we, we kept in touch and I was able to to wrangle you to do this you know I sent you a few options of of, of books to pick. And uh, I included Ex Machina in this, and you you immediately jumped at that. Uh, I'm assuming, yeah. let me just say this, though, uh, right up front for, for our audience. I'm assuming people who are listening or watching, uh, as, as we discuss this, have read the series or don't mind spoilers. Uh, there will be spoilers uh, for the book here. I just want to put that out there in case anyone, you know, hasn't read it. I don't want to ruin, <laughs> ruin that experience for them. Uh, so just a heads up on that. But, uh, you know, I gave you a list of a few things and I know you said you could do why the last man all day long, which is one of my all time favorites. Um, yeah. but this, this ex machina emerged, uh, as the winner for you, you know, and I'm glad it did because as I was reading it, I'm like, man, like, I don't even know if this series got the due that it deserved. You know, it was real good. And um, you know, part of it was really personal for me because I I so I and and I guess for people who don't know, like the premise of the comic is that it's this guy who like he lives in a world where superheroes are still like like he lives in our world where like there are comic books, but there are no superheroes. And then he gets these superpowers where he can like talk to machines and you know 
it really explores the reality of, of what it would be like being a superhero in the real world. And then he eventually gets into politics and becomes the mayor of New York City. And, um, you know, at the time that I, I started reading it, I was working in City Hall. Um, I was uh, the communications director for a New York City councilman. So I was reading this series and I'm like, oh, man, like Vaughn did his homework, you know, <laughs> like it was pretty accurate and pretty on point. And also just like a, a fun, weird, smart series about like, you know, the the, the kind of the, the, the way power is this weird, fluid, dynamic thing and that, that ultimately corrupts people. Very much so. Um, and and that's what I was so curious to, that was going to be my main question. And from, <laughs> even though I don't have the experience that, that you have reading it, I mean, it, it felt very authentic. And that was going to be my question for you. It's like, did, <laughs> did, it, did it feel true to life as you were reading this, given your background? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, politics are a complicated thing, especially, you know, so this guy, this guy is the mayor of New York City. Um, and, and New York City is like a really kind of unique place because, you know, it's it's only a city. You know, you can only do the the mayor only has so much power. Like, there's a lot of a lot of legislative power rests at the state level, and then a lot of policy making power rests at the federal level. And the federal level kind of supersedes everything. Um, but at the same time, when you're mayor of New York City, you're mayor of the biggest city in the world, and and arguably one of the most influential cities in the world. So. Which is why so many New York City mayors like are able to build these national profiles where, you know, you can go to other parts of the country and like I can't name the mayor of San Francisco, but probably a lot of people in San Francisco can name the mayor in New York. Um, and and so it, it, it was it was fun to kind of watch how that like, like Vaughn really was playing with the dynamic in a very smart way, because I mean, he was obviously using the series as kind of like an outlet to kind of talk about his own sort of political ideas, which was basically like trying to come down a little bit more in the middle and get away from like the noise on either side. Um, but it always had this really smart sense of like, like, you know, uh, the early on the series addresses gay marriage. Um, and I guess, I guess it would have been like 2002 or 2003 at that point when, when like the story is taking place. And yeah, you know, the, the, I, I, there was something similar in New York city where, you know, they wanted to they wanted to issue uh, marriage licenses to gay couples here, but they couldn't because the state law says you can't. Federal law says you can't. So even if you change the city law, it technically doesn't make a difference. Like you can, but the state or the feds can just come in and take them away. So it's like this weird interplay of how effective you can be and and like how you can actually address important issues. And yeah, so 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 the government nerd in me was having a really good time. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally get it. And, you know, that was one of the fascinating things, you know, reading this in, in almost really every arc, there's some, you know, major issue that's that's tackled in the context of the story. And, you know, whether it's freedom of speech or gay marriage, legalization of marijuana, gun violence, police shooting, like so many things come into play and virtually everything is still relevant, you know, today. And so it was really interesting to to kind of go back and read something that came out you know, well over a decade ago and, and see how it's all still playing out. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in the context of like, you know, and now, you know, gay marriage is legal. So it's like, okay, cool. Like this is wow. Like this really used to be very different. Like you almost kind of forget sometimes. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was interesting. Like I, I, I feel like he, he, I, I remember thinking this very clearly when I was reading it the first time around when it came out, which was like, 
Vaughn's definitely like got a hookup with someone on the inside. Like he's definitely talking to someone who like works in the administration and is because like I, I'm sure like obviously Vaughn is a brilliant writer. Like we could sit here all day and like talk about his CV and how great it is. Um, but yeah, no, he put in his uh, his his research time on that because he was he he. he there were a few things that maybe were like a, probably twisted a little bit just for storytelling's sake, but for the most part, he pretty much nailed it. Yeah, totally. And um, so, so again, you read it. I'm always curious, you know, when I do these book club episodes, uh, you know, to find out, you know, how my guest first experienced it and then what the, what the experience was like upon reread. Sometimes it changes for better or worse. Uh, so you read it as it was coming out and then had you revisited it in the time since, or was this your first reread in a, in a while? Yeah, no, this is my first reread. Um, I don't reread a lot of stuff. Uh, and usually I like there to be a lot of distance. Cause I always, I always feel like, you know, I, I've got too much new stuff to read and too much new stuff to go after. So so I so sometimes when I'm like rereading something or rewatching a movie, I kind of feel like okay, I could be dedicating this time to something new. But then like it's it's been a very long time since I read it, so it was like okay, cool. Like I I kind of forget some of the things that were in here, and so this is exciting. And um, I get and and it gets weird, man. It's a weird series. Like once it starts getting to like the interdimensional stuff, like towards like the, the back third. And, um, I, I, I kind of had like vague recollections of it, but I, I just, I guess I was a little surprised. I, I thought that that sort of weird interdimensional plot thing was a little bit clearer. And, and as I was rereading it, I was like, wow, Vaughn really did hold a lot of that back and just kind of is let the, is letting the reader fill in the gaps, which, uh, which, which I respect. Um, even though part of me kind of wishes we had gotten a little bit more of that. Cause, cause I'm, I'm just a fan of chaos. I'm like lean into the weird. Let me see more of, of that weird, like spider robot thing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you're right though. It does get really weird. And then that last arc in particular, it, you know, it, it really, it really leans into, you know, the sci-fi side and it is, it is a departure from a lot of, you know, what came previous in, in the series. Uh, my experience was a little bit different. I was first introduced to Vaughn's work with why the last man. And yeah. I read that in trade, uh, as it was coming out, like I was, I got into that pretty early on. I wasn't too far behind and I caught up in the trades and I kept going and I loved it. It is, you know, one of my all time favorite comic book series. And so when he started this, I was very interested and I read, I want to say the first two, maybe three trades when they first came out and I loved it. I really enjoyed it. It, it became one of those things where, you know, the next trade came out and it was like, all right, I'll get to it. And then the following trade came out and it's like, all right, I got a couple trades, I'll catch up. And it just kept building and building. And for years now, over a decade, I've had this 10 volume set uh, on my shelf and I, I just never got to it. And that's one of the reasons why I've been doing this podcast is to motivate myself to finally read. So I was reading most of this for the first time. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I got to tell you, I, so overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Thoroughly, uh, I want to unpack the ending a little bit because I have someone mixed feelings about that. But overall, yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. And the thing, I think, the biggest compliment that I can I can pay it is that I don't know what comic book wise I've read recently that I read like as voraciously as this. I mean, if not for the fact that we were talking off mic, you know, I have a young son and you know, working from home. Like, if not for that, I think I would have just blown through this in a day. I mean, it would just kept me yeah. on the edge of my seat. You know, and, and the crazy thing about it is, is it's, it's dense storytelling. 
like it could get really dense you've got a lot of weird sci-fi stuff you've got a lot of flashbacks you've got a lot you've got a lot of public policy and um and i remember like like you, you pinged me about this like a week and a half ago, just reminding me of it. And like I had it on my calendar, and I knew it was coming up. But I was like, "Oh man, like I gotta, I gotta pull these down, and I gotta reread them now, like just so, so I'm prepped." And I remember taking them down and looking at it, and it's like ten, you know, ten, you know, fairly thick volumes. And I was like, "Okay, man, like I, I'll probably be able to get through this. Like hopefully, hopefully I can." And yeah, I think I, I think I nailed it in like two or three days because I was like, "Oh yeah, these go down quick." And uh. Yeah, man, just such such sort of good, good fast reads. Yeah, and I, I really that is a testament to uh, to the writing and the art as well. But yeah, despite despite the fact that you do have this dense, you know, policy related <laughs> subject matter, it really moves. You know, you mentioned the flashbacks. I think the flashbacks to uh, our protagonists. Uh, superhero days, pre-mayoral days. I think that really does help with the with the rhythm and the flow of this. It kind of breaks it up and. Uh, you know, as a comic book fan, I guess it gives you a little bit of that of that action that you might crave. Though I'll be honest, I was it was interesting to fill in the his backstory for sure. Um, but I was I was genuinely like enthralled by the the political side of all of this, and that's why I'm actually glad that um, that I read it now. I, I I know I appreciated it more now at this point in my life after what we've been seeing over the past few years, like it definitely resonated with me in a way that, you know, when I was in high school and college, it would have, but not, not as much as it did now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's an interesting lens to look at it through because, you know, it's very much a snapshot of like the, the post nine 11 worlds. And now we're living in like the post Trump era, which is just so completely different. And, um, yeah, just, uh, it's, Man, it it feels like light years away from from where we were when it first came out. Yeah, yeah, and you know, so it, it started in I think it was two thousand three or two thousand four. So we're, you know, we were a couple of years you know out from from nine eleven, and but you know, of course, it um, that's our our jumping off point in the story, and it really takes you back, you know, for me at least in in a couple of respects, I guess, to nine eleven itself. Um, and then also to those couple of years later when I was first starting to read this story. And for me as a comics reader, that was a time in my journey where I was really starting to expand my horizons and read more stuff. I love, I'm wearing my Superman sweatshirt. I love Superman. I love my traditional yeah. superhero stuff. But like that was when I was really starting to see what comics could really do. Um, yeah. And so, so this really kind of hit for me in a couple of, in a couple of respects, but I got to say, and I, I want to get your, your take on this. I mean, a story like this that's so rooted in a specific time, right? The risk is that it could feel dated when you read it now. But I mean, I don't know. It, it just felt more like a like real, like a snapshot of that time, but not not in yeah. a dated way. What about you? Yeah, you know, and and, and just just digging into the nine eleven thing for a second. I mean, I had like a fairly visceral reaction to the first issue when um when I read it. Um, and, and and you know for for anyone who hasn't read it the the premise is that this guy you know the the main character Mitchell Hundred he was a, a superhero named the Great Machine and he can talk to machines and he had he had uh, agreed to stop being a superhero or really just like a vigilante and um and like made a deal with like the government to avoid prosecution and then he suits up one last time on nine eleven and ends up saving like he, he diverts one of the planes. So one of the buildings is still standing at the end of the comic. And, um, I mean, 
as as a born and raised New Yorker who's, you know, my dad's a New York City firefighter and, and he went down there that day and, and luckily he got there like just as the towers were coming down and he was okay. But like I just remember reading that and being like, Jesus, that's intense. And um so like I can actually appreciate it a little bit more now for what it was trying to do. It was a little hard to separate myself from 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 that part of it when I first read it. And now look at like like looking at it with a lot of distance, I think I can appreciate a little bit more I, I, I can get over that that feeling of like shock. That that not not that Vaughn was really going for shock value. I mean I guess it kind of is a shock value thing. Um but yeah, no, the, the, the lens felt very different. It, it felt easier to process and to understand at this point, given the time. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, I didn't know, you know, the, of the personal connection. I mean, obviously, I know, you know, you, you've been a New Yorker, but, um, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can only imagine. And yeah, so, the, you know, the, the big reveal right at the end of the first issue is that in this, this is an altered, you know, a, an alternate reality here, uh, separate from, from our world, though most of the series is really tracks otherwise, but uh, yeah, that Mitchell was able to save one of the towers on 9-11. That's how we end the first issue. And it's like this huge moment. That's really our jumping off point lets us know, you know, kind of the world we're you know, we're, we're working in and accounts for how he was able to, uh, you know, really uh, pull ahead in the election, despite being this, you know, dark horse, uh, you know, candidate who uh, had this failed career as a vigilante. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really, um, it really pulls you into that, that time, for sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess, the other thing, too, is that I, that I found interesting is, uh, you know, this past career as a superhero, you know, we've had instances, you know, I don't know if you read, there was a Green Arrow storyline a few years ago where Oliver Queen uh, becomes mayor. And then, of course, they did something similar in the television show as well. So, you know, yeah, we've had other instances of, you know, hero turned politician, but it's still, in those cases, at least, like, it's still a superhero book. It's like, he's still going to be putting on the costume and, you know, it's only going to last so long. Like, this I thought was so interesting because, like, you you get to follow him over the course of a full four-year term uh, in as yeah. real-world a scenario as possible. Yeah, and, and what's really cool is that it kind of, it shows that shared DNA between superheroes and, and politicians because if you think about it, it's... It's someone who stands up and decides, like, I know how to make decisions better than the rest of you. Like, I believe that I am an exceptional individual who can make, you know, who, who can make judgment calls that are going to save people and who can, who doesn't always have to follow the rules because, you know, I can rewrite the rules if I want to. And because I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, just watching that interplay between the two. And, you know, as I was reading it, I'm like, you know, might this be sort of like the heir apparent to Watchmen in the sense that it's like it's really examining those power dynamics of like, you know, because I think Moore was going after like sort of the inherent fascism of superheroes and this kind of goes toward that sort of maybe not fascism, but, but, but this idea that it's like, you know, someone's deciding they know better for you than you do. And, um, and, 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 you know, how do you trust them with that kind of power, ultimately? Because we see over the course of the series, Mitchell Hundred seems like a really cool guy in the beginning. And then you get to the end and you realize, like, wait, nope, he did a lot of bad things. Or, or was sort of started doing bad things because he thought it was okay. Like, he could get away with it because he was the kind of person who, like, didn't have to listen to the rules. 
Right. Yeah. So I have to share with you that uh, a, a dear friend of mine, Mike, um, and he's uh, been on my other podcast. He's going to be coming on this show uh, in a couple of episodes. We're going to do a two episode deep dive into Grant Morrison's new X-Men. He's a huge okay. Morrison guy. You would get along. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he and I have spoken about this series uh, a couple of times over the years. And definitely when I announced that I was doing this. So I just want to share his take on this because it might be a decent jumping off point for, for us. Um, he was so into this series as it was coming out. Uh, the first page of original art that he ever bought was a page from the series. Uh, his wife is a is a graphic designer, and she designed a tattoo. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was an Ex Machina-related tattoo that he was going to wow. get. He was going to get it, but he was so put off by the final issue uh, that it really? soured him on the series and and on, on the writer, uh, sad to say. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like, cause I, we've been texting now and I, you know, I texted him when I was, when I finished reading last night and I don't know, I think he might be open to revisiting it. And he himself was like, you know, it was a different time in my life when I read it and I was reading it as it came out. He's like, you know, I might feel differently now reading the whole thing in one shot at this point in my life. So I think he might, might be willing to give it a, a second try, but, uh, the, yeah, the ending, I, I guess I had some mixed feelings as well. What, how did you feel about the way that the series ends? Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I've been thinking about that too, because um, so so the series ends with him, you know, like, and then as the series is going on, he's talking about like maybe wanting to run for president and wanting to do something beyond being mayor of New York, which is what most mayors of New York do. Like most of them run for president. Um, and on on like the final page, you find out that he ended up becoming vice president, and John McCain was was president, and um. You know, yeah. So uh, here, here, here's my theory. You know, uh, Vaughn really seemed to be going for a sort of moderate. I, I don't want to say moderate, because um, moderate is, is sometimes like a stand-in for sort of toothless. I, I think he he wanted to go for sort of like a, a realistic take, like to try to like take the dogma and some of the nonsense out of these arguments and come at it from a rational point of view. I think that when you look at the series, because you got to figure the the like uh, you know I'm I'm gonna do this now just because like now I'm curious like when the last issue of this actually came out, um, because I feel like you know the way people felt about John McCain was really different than you know what he turned into when he was a presidential candidate. This was before that, um, when he was like the maverick who like stood up and did the right thing regardless of wh whether or not you know, uh, his party was behind him, which was kind of a fiction anyway. Like he, he really, he didn't do it as much as people kind of made it seem like he did. But I, I think, I think what, what Vaughn was doing was he was looking for that sort of, maybe he thought that McCain was sort of like that compromise politician of someone who was like a Republican, but not like a lunatic, like we want to kill poor people and give everyone guns Republican. Um, and and maybe to him that kind of seemed like a compromise sort of place to end up and and something a little bit more reasonable for Mitchell to end up in because even though a lot of New York City mayors have run for president they have haven't always had success doing it so it makes a little bit more there there there's a longer conversation about how like technically a, a independent or democrat from New York City is not a great ticket balancer but I'm not going to get into the weeds on this um 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not finding a good answer on this. But but regardless, the 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 point remains is that I think that like he was keying into something about McCain that may have been true then that that wasn't necessarily true, especially through the lens of looking at it now. That makes sense. And I think, you know, like I said, I had some mixed feelings about it. And I think in part in part it was my own fault. The I think I there I had too much expectation going into the final issue um, and I won't blame yeah. Mike but you know that was part of it he you know he had prepped me he was like there's this ending and I was like oh my god so I think that was part of it where I went in and, and I don't know what I was expecting I just was bracing myself um, and you know over the years I don't I also don't know how I managed to avoid getting spoiled on this over all these years I mean I remember when the final issue came out and seeing headlines like on Newsarama and whatever and I guess I was just good about avoiding it and you know I, I didn't overhear anything at the comic shop and I was able to to remain unspoiled all these years but I think I went in you know expecting the, you know this mind-blowing ending and I your point is well taken I think at the time that final page reveal and the title of Vice was probably like oh my god in today it just didn't yeah i don't know it didn't have that that effect on me so much again it didn't it didn't yeah. ruin my enjoyment of the series um but it didn't because and I, I mean you again I, and you you tell me right because you read it as it was coming out i mean i would imagine at the time i mean did it did the ending feel to you the way the end of the first issue did like when you see that he saved the tower like that's sort of like whoa like i like it was definitely it was definitely a shock and i remember I remember having like really mixed feelings and kind of not liking the ending when I first read it and, and being a little bit more open to it this time. Um, and, you know, it's funny, like even as we're talking about it, like it's it's just trying to kind of like suss out the meaning of it. I mean, you know, at the same time, like Mitchell basically makes a full on heel turn by like the end of the series. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he kills Kremlin. He, you know takes Bradbury who is like you know obviously a guy who's like down on his luck but like his lifelong best friend and kind of like kicks him out and is like you know you're a danger to my political career now like he rigged the election he did all these terrible things you know and um so yeah like maybe he is where he belongs like maybe that was Vaughn saying like yeah of course this is the guy who's going to go over to the Republican party because the Republican party is the party of you know fuck you I got mine so it's uh yeah I don't know now, now, now I want to ask Vaughn. If I ever run into him, I'm going to ask him. Let's like, I want to deal with that. Uh, let's come back to that in a second. Let's just do a, a quick yeah. commercial break. And let me say, I, you know, I know we're still, you know, we're only 25 minutes into our episode here, um, and I know we're already talking about the ending of the series. But I think it's <laughs> worth. I think it's worth doing that because I think, you know, kind of knowing where the character ends up, and then kind of looking back on what came before and seeing, like, okay, does this, does this track? And I, I think. I think it does. But anyway, uh, let's take a quick commercial break and then uh, we'll we'll come right back. Movie lovers should check out this family of film festivals. The Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, the Hang On To Your Shorts Film Festival in Asbury Park, and the Point Lookout Film Festival on Long Island. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the podcasts hosted by the festival's organizer, C.J. Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen On Film podcast, via a shared universe network. And we're back. Uh, I don't want to forget, and I don't want to leave this to the very end of the episode, uh, for people who want to check out your work, follow you on social media, uh, where's the best place to find you and your work? 
Sure. Um, I'm at <clears throat> robwhart.com on the web. Um, on Twitter, same thing, robwhart. I'm, I'm robwhart1 on Instagram because I guess someone got there before me. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the gist of it. And my books are available on like, you know, Amazon or, or other non-evil book selling operations. Um, so yeah. Yeah, right on. Um, you know, I, you, you were just saying something that was really interesting, and 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 so now I, I've got a question for you. Um, you know, do, do you watch like uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul? They're on the list, but I I haven't. Oh, they're on the list. I know. Okay. I know. But right. my wife and I just did Sopranos. I don't know if that would be in line with what you're thinking, but we did that finally after many years. Well, okay, so so I, I won't get I won't get All too right. deeply into into why I asked, but but still, like there there there's a question that I've been thinking about with Mitchell is was Mitchell a good person who was corrupted by power, or was he always a corrupt person who the power brought it out of him? Like, what's your sense of him? That's what I've been I've been trying to wrap my head around too. I don't I, I guess I don't know that I I have a great answer on that um you know we see him and and I, this is i think what's so fascinating about the portrait that this series paints of him because we are following him you know obviously in the present day in his capacity as mayor of new york every issue has a flashback to his time uh, as the great machine this this costumed vigilante who had a short-lived failed career um, and, you know, oftentimes, and again, I know you, you know this, but for our audience, uh, you know, it, in almost every instance, there's some either thematic or plot point tie in between the flashbacks and what's going on. Right. Like in the arc about the legalization of marijuana um, in the flashbacks, uh, we have this multi issue runner about him trying to uh, tackle this uh, this uh, pot dealer. So, you know, you, you kind of see it play out that way. And then we do also get flashbacks to uh, even earlier points. In his life and his upbringing, we see uh, some key moments with, uh, you know, with his mother and with his friends. We spend some time at the comic shop, um, the formation of this bond with Kremlin, who, as you said, uh, you know, ultimately he'll he'll go on to kill. It's like we see him at these various points. And I feel like he, he, he remains, despite all the time we spend with him and all those different timelines, he remains in an, an enigma in a lot of ways. Um, and, and even when we're dealing with all of those, uh, the political issues that we were talking about, um, you know, he is often, you know, it, it's becomes a recurring theme, right? Like that he doesn't often reveal what he personally thinks about a lot of this. And sometimes, there, you know, we'll get some insight, like when we see him smoke up at the end of the, the smoke, smoke uh, arc. Yeah. Uh, so he and he we see these moments as early as the first arc or the first issue, even when, you know, one of the governor's underlings. Uh, you know, tries to blackmail him with the evidence that will come back later in the story about how he rigged the election. And we don't get that information at that point, but we see the way Mitchell responds and he threatens to, uh, you know, turn off this gentleman's pacemaker. And so we see that darker side to him very early on. And that's juxtaposed with this heroism of, you know, what he accomplished on 9-11. And I think that kind of lulls you into a false sense of security with the character. Like I... And this is a long answer, and I apologize, <laughs> but I guess, but I, I guess when I got to the end of the story, I didn't, you know, when he turns his back on on Bradbury at his lowest moment because it'd be politically inconvenient uh, for him, and when he kills Kremlin, it's like it didn't. I wasn't, I, you know, it tracked. 
attract for me. I felt like from what yeah. we've seen or not seen of this guy, um, it, it it made sense to me. Now, to your question, was he you know just always a bad person? Did the power bring it out of him? That I'm a little more on the fence on. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I remember like really wondering that when I was original, like when I was originally reading the series, and then toward the end, you find out that he rigged the election after doing this whole song and dance about like you know. I, I built this nullifier and I'm going to have like a UN, you know, security official watching me and, and I'm not going to use my, cause you know, the guy can control machines, um, you know, um, and, and you find out that like he created this device that Brad Bradbury was taking around and like pretty clearly like swung the vote counts. And, um, so yeah, it's like, oh wow, no, like he, he was willing to compromise way in the beginning like before we got through any of this and um and yeah you're exactly right like you kind of get lulled into this false sense of security and like you can kind of see like okay yeah you know maybe the guy is is compromising himself because he's just trying to operate in the world of politics and you get to the end you're like oh no like he engineered this um and and, he's a civil engineer he he lived up to his, his career yeah and it casts a a very different light on like him and what he's done and and then you're kind of grappling with the fact that yes this guy has done very thoughtful things like you know of course like he stood up and said you know i don't care if if it's illegal i'm going to issue gay marriage licenses like whatever um you know and and then you get to the end you're like oh but he rigged an election that's not good you know (laughs) um yeah yeah it's it's weird but, but but again i think it gets back to what 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 i was talking about before with like you know this this idea that like superheroes and and politicians are just like sort of inherently that there's something wrong there you know i mean this is now like it's it's funny i was watching falcon and the winter soldier today and then the newest episode and and that question is really really sort of like the big question of the episode is like you know the, the the very idea of creating a super soldier is so troubling and and they're having this conversation about how like you know well, it didn't corrupt Steve Rogers. It's like, right, but it corrupted everyone else. Like, he's the exception to the rule. He's not an example of it. I literally, I'm, I'm using that word literally correctly, literally just finished watching the episode you're talking about right before yeah. uh, we sat down to do this. So I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other, sorry, another possible theory you know, he, he gets his powers uh, when this device in the water explodes, right? And it disfigures him, but then that gives him the ability to communicate with machines. And over the course of the series, I mean, he has these visions of this interdimensional world and there are potentially people who are coming over from this world and leading an invasion, you know, it's the whole thing. I, I mean, could we make an argument that he genuinely, truly believes he's the only one who can save the world from this and so everything he's doing is justified i mean when i had this text exchange with my buddy who was you know very very put off by the ending um he seemed to feel like uh mitchell's intentions were good but i don't know that i land on that side i don't know that i that i see that what about you yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he kind of cares about this whole interdimensional thing. You know, like right. there, it, it pops up as an issue where sometimes you get people crossing over and he ends up having to like confront them. And 
but he's never like, okay, like there's, there's clearly this larger issue at play here. And now I need to go be a superhero and I need to fix it. He's kind of like, like, man, like I'm supposed to be at a fundraiser and you're, and, and you're messing things up for me. Like go away. Like it, it, it always seems like it's, it's like he's, he's swatting away in that, like, like this, this idea that like, you know, the world is going to be invaded by like weird, terrifying looking interdimensional monsters. Um, it's almost like he doesn't believe it, you know? Like he kind of does, but he kind of doesn't. But he doesn't give it like the, the, this deep le level of import. Like it seems more like he's worried about where he's going to be standing at the end of it, not where the world's going to be standing at the end of it. And I guess maybe that's part of the key of figuring him out is like, you know, his his potential run for president is more important than like making sure the world is still around for him to be president of when the time comes. Right. Yeah, and just jumping back to that, the, all the interdimensional stuff. I know you mentioned earlier, you know, and I agree. I mean, it, it does lean more into the sci-fi later on. And I know you said you would have taken even more of that. I felt, I, I'll be honest. I kind of felt the opposite. I would have been okay with, with less and I didn't need, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess you, you, I, you had to at least offer something. Otherwise I think that would put people off, right? Like if it just always remains this completely unanswered thing of like, where do the powers come from? What is this all about? Um, I would have been okay with, with without that, but uh, I, I didn't mind it either. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that he kind of, that, that Vaughn kind of leaves a lot of it up to sort of interpretation and, and he's not really explaining it to you. And there's a lot of concepts that get thrown out that don't get explained. And and I'm a big fan of like, you know, context clues and not spoon feeding things to a reader. It's like, sometimes it's, it's fun to make the reader work a little bit more, but like, but that stuff was so weird and so bizarre that it's just like, I, I always want more of the weird, the bizarre. Right. No, no, fair enough. Uh, and then you also mentioned before, you know, if, if you ever run into Vaughn, you know, you would have questions for him about the series. Have you ever met him? No, no. Um, yeah, he's definitely high up on the list of people I would love to meet. Um, I mean, I, uh, I I always like, so I've done a couple of Comic Cons now. I did Seattle, New York, and San Diego uh, in in the before times, and you know, I, I've always got like this this list of like people that I would love to try to track down if they're there. And then you get there and you realize that it's like I'm gonna hide my hotel room until someone needs me because oh my god, this is ridiculous. Right. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> God, like, like, have, have you ever done San Diego? Yeah. Yeah, it's unpleasant. Yeah. No, I know. I, I have no arguments here. I've done it. I've done it. Uh, wait, how do I not know this? Two, two or th three times? No, twice. Yeah, I think it was just twice. I've done New York a bunch, but uh, yeah, I did. I did San Diego uh, a couple of times, and yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, the, the the New York one's not that bad. Um, but yeah, man, like I just remember like being. I was like, oh man, my first San Diego Comic Con, and my publisher brought me out for it, and I'm like, I, I, they, they, like the Penguin Random House has like a big booth with like a back seating area where like you know you can go and hang out, and they got like snacks and stuff, so it's super chill. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to walk the floor a little bit. And I made it like like 200 feet. And it's just like this crush of people that you're like this. I'm like, nope, nope. Going back to my little hidey hole at the booth. Like, I'm done. Yeah, it's I mean, it's an experience. I always say to people, you know, if you're, you know, you're a real comic book fan, and you, really, you just want to see what it's like. I mean, give it a shot. But it, it is very overwhelming. I mean, you get like a few days in, you definitely have you've gotten your bearings and you have the lay of the land and what seemed so like all consuming before it's doesn't seem quite as overwhelming, but it's, it's a lot. And I, uh, 
you know, I mean, the idea of being packed in with that many people, like I never liked that before. And especially now, like after what we've been through, it's like, I really have, uh, I don't, I don't long to return to that, I guess is my, is my point. I'm not like, oh, I can't wait till the next time I could be at a, in that, in that type of, of environment. A smaller show is, is something else. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I feel like I'm excited to get back out to like conferences and stuff. And I know that as soon as I get there, I'm going to hate it and be like, <laughs> oh man, why did I ever miss this? <laughs> It's like 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 the the, sh the shine's gonna come off the apple real quick. I hear you. Um, I actually so I, I didn't really have an opportunity to have a conversation with with Brian K. Vaughn, but I I met him at a a signing at uh, Midtown Comics uh, when his okay. Vertigo graphic novel Pride of Baghdad came out. I'm holding up the ex Machina tricks. I, I got that signed, and I forgot that I had this signed. I knew I had the first volume of Y signed, and I knew I had Pride of Baghdad. And when I pulled the volume one of this off my shelf, I was like, what's that? I said, oh, I got that sign too. <laughs> uh, he was he was super nice. I mean, again, though, it was the, I mean, you know, you and you've been on the other side of the table. I mean, it was really just, you know, a, a quick thing. I was like, I really like your work. Do you have another Vertigo series planned? And he was like, yeah, but, and that was about it. Um, but yeah, yeah it, would, it would be fascinating to, to talk to him. Uh, and the other thing that I was so interested to, to ask you as a writer yourself, I mean, and I know this is kind of a big question, whatever direction you want to take it in, feel free. But whether we're talking about, you know, individual, you know, scenes or sequences or storylines or just sort of like big picture how he approached the series, are there things from a writing perspective that that really jumped out at you and or that you were like, oh, like that's a that's a Brian K. Vaughn thing right there? You know, there, there were a lot of things about it that, that I really... Yeah, because because I'm reading it in two ways. I'm reading it like as a comic book fan, but also like I'm I'm reading it from sort of like a mechanical standpoint of like you know how is this put together? Because I'm always fascinated by the shape of things and like what I can learn from it. And yeah, man, like Vaughn, like the the thing I love about him is like he just writes these great distinctive characters, this great dialogue. The dialogue is fantastic. Um, you know the way that he was able to like a do his research and then b disseminate all that info in a way that was like really intelligent and really made sense and didn't bog down the story um which which was in why the last man a lot too because like you know the sort of the weird intricacies of of like what the world would be like if like all the men died and it was just women surviving like there were things that were popping up in the book that i was like that's really clever like he sat down and he like that's a really interesting facet to look at look at the world like that and um yeah just uh it, it, it's the way that 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 he juggles all these different things like the big ideas and the character work and the weird sci-fi stuff and the pacing is always like really really good you know like the the thing that that i appreciated in the rereading was you know i i i had thought those flashbacks were longer but a lot of those flashbacks were only like a page or two mm -hmm. but they're giving you like a really good chunk and really sort of setting a really good stage for the issue and and, and they work as in, in in a very episodic way where it's like you know you're getting sort of you're getting an overarching story but you're getting sort of like a clearly contained issue each time and yeah man he's so good he makes me a little angry um <laughs> <laughs> I know there are there are a few uh, blurbs on the trade. I, I keep looking over at because I have my stack of trades right here. Uh, there are a few blurbs on various trades where uh, comic book writers, in particular, say basically the, the you know the same thing. <laughs> where it's like this book makes me mad. I like, get how good it is. Yeah, yeah. 
And and you know, I feel like too, we we, we got to take a second and we got to pay some due to the artwork yes. here too, because like that was some really really nice work. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so Tony Harris, uh, Tom Feister, uh, J.D. Mettler, the the letter or the colorist. Uh, yeah, I mean, just yeah, it was. Um, and it all worked so well together. Um, it did feel very. It did, like you said, you know, episodic. I mean, this felt like a show. You know that you would see on you know well now these days on a streaming platform or like premium cable or something like that. I mean it really yeah it it had that that rhythm and uh, yeah the art brought it to life in such a great way. I mean very realistic, but still it still captured the I guess the the fun and certainly when we get into like the the more comic booky superhero side of it, I thought it it really balanced both of those well. It did. It did. Um... You know, and and it certainly helped to have like to to be able to break it up a lot of times with like the little flashback scenes, where then you've got like this when it gets like really weird, and and you can tell that they were having a really good time with it. But but the thing that really struck me was that like a lot of the series is just people standing in rooms talking, you know, and um and 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 it's still it it has a feeling of movement to it, and it feels dynamic, and and you don't feel like you're just trying to tread through dialogue as like people stand in a room, and uh, yeah, yeah, it just really really comes together very nicely. Yeah, very well, you know, directed in in a sense, and uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, a book like this, it's true. You know, the the dialogue is fantastic, right? And it it really pulls you in, but at the same time, you know, you do still potentially run that risk of, you know, of getting bogged down in all the talking heads. But that never happens um, in in this yeah. book, uh, which is which is really cool. What what did you think of the uh, towards the end of the series, their meta issue where uh, Vaughn and and Harris are comic creators meeting? Uh, meeting uh, hundred to do a comic book about him. I, I actually, and, and I wanted to circle back to that, so I'm glad that you did. <laughs> um, that is something like when you get meta, man, like you really got to nail that. And and <laughs> I really, really think that they nailed it. Like, cause and and they obviously like they 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 got some fun jokes in there about you know um, being late for meetings and being unreliable and and all this goofy stuff, but. Um, you know, it was also, I think it served the series well because it was basically Vaughn explaining why he wrote it. Um, and and it, it, you can feel how sort of deeply personal it was to him and, and, and kind of like the pain and the fear and the healing that it was coming out of. And uh, I think it really gave a nice perspective to it and it framed it really nicely. Um, and, and then I, I love the, that little joke at the end where it seems like they don't get the job. Cause is that like a Jim Lee spa- splash page? Yeah. And actually in the credits of the trade, it, there's a, a special thanks to Garth Ennis and Jim Lee for their contributions to issue 40 or 41. So I think those okay. two pages were with those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and, 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 and I, I remember looking for that and I was reading it really late at night. Um, and, and I think I just got tired and gave up, but I was like, this looks like a Jim Lee drawing. And so, yeah, I guess the story is that like, he thinks Vaughn and, and, and Harris think they got the job and then it goes to Garth yeah. Ennis and Jim Lee. And, um, and yeah, I, I remember like kind of studying it and I'm like, where, like, just, just where, where's the credit on this? I need, I need to verify this is Jim Lee. No, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, I, 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 I appreciated that part of it too. Like he, he was, he was willing to kind of like poke a little bit of fun at himself at the same time that he was willing to sort of get kind of like deep and introspective on it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he pulled that off. 
Yeah, it was fun. I, you know, I and I did I did I know that they did that? I think I only knew it from the trade paperback, the little blurb in the back yeah. that the synopsis uh, mentioned that. Um, but I still didn't. I didn't realize the extent that it would be like a whole issue <laughs> with that. Uh, yeah. So I, that was a lot of fun, and you know, it was it was cool to see the way Vaughn used comics in this story, right? Like you said, I mean, we're we're in a version of the real world, right? So they know the comic book characters the same way we do, and why they're written and drawn by the same people as well and you know they hang out at their you know their local comic shop and and all that stuff and and it was fun it was cool when they would you know mitchell in particular you know would make a comic book reference and of course the you know the the other cast of characters would react the way people in our lives have probably reacted when we mentioned comic book stuff <laughs> like, what are you talking yeah. about <laughs> yeah yeah and and i guess that was part of the fun of reading the series was reading a series that just felt so grounded because i guess we're you know we're we're you know especially as comic book readers we're so used to these big giant sort of sprawling worlds with all these characters and this was just very sort of pared down to like nope just one superhero whoever existed for all time and he's in the real world and he knows who clark kent is um and yeah, it was just, uh, it, it, it just puts the entire, it, it's it's fun because it just puts comic books in general into a new perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciated that a lot. And I mean, yeah. And it also, yeah, right. It explains why he would put on a costume in the first place when he gets these powers. It's like, well, he's, I grew yeah. up reading, <laughs> I grew up reading comics. So it, you know, it makes sense. Um, yeah. And it's also like super grounded and he kind of sucks at it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because like, yeah, like he, he can talk to machines and, and he's got this ability to like build like really advanced technology. Like he can build like a stun gun. He can build a, a jet pack. But like the human body is not really sort of made like like I, I th th there was like he he rescues someone, but like he can only carry one person at a time because he's not strong enough. And, you know, he crashes through a window and it looks super cool. And then he ends up with like a piece of glass in his arm. And it's like, yeah, you know being a superhero is not a super easy thing. And I appreciated that, 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 that level of reality and that level of groundedness to it. Yeah, there you're right. There were a lot of cool touches like that. I remember, you know, there, there was an instance where, you know, he shows up for a rescue and he's explaining, you know, what he can do or how his powers work and the people either they can't hear him or they're like, well, like, I don't care. Like, just help us, uh, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Or when he was rescuing the family and like, like he was saving the mother. For, I think that might have been the scene you were talking about. It was like, I can only carry one at a time. But he starts to carry yeah. the mother first. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, go get my kids. <laughs> so to see him that inept. But again, I really do think that it. And I don't know what other people's take on that is as they're watching those uh, those flashbacks unfold. But yeah, I do think it like it makes him seem endearing and again, like lulls you into this into this false sense of security about who this guy really is. Yeah, no, exactly. Like he's very endearing. It's this guy who like, you know, he wants to do the right thing and he's got this kind of like weird quirky power and um and he's doing the best he can with it and just not doing the best job. <laughs> but he's trying. You know, and um, and yeah, like, and and then you see him as the series goes on, and it's like, oh, you've made a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, and I don't know if if there's something earlier that you would pinpoint, but I, I think, yeah, when we find out that um, he had Bradbury bring those devices to a number of polling places on election day, and that he only won not in a landslide, <laughs> like twenty thousand votes. Uh, that was, that was really a, you know, certainly for me reading that, you know, it was a big turning point as far as like, okay, like this is, 
not again even though you knew he was capable of some of you know some you know darker choices and dealings but to to get that piece of information uh was yeah that was a huge huge turning point yeah yeah no it was uh man yeah it's it's a, it's a complicated series and then and then yeah like you're you're looking at um him swinging an election in you know a period where you know everyone's assuming that an election got swung that got didn't and that th- that wasn't swung and yeah so it's like oddly like less relevant and more relevant at the same time yeah uh, totally and you know i guess and then sort of the spiritual successor to that moment you know when he's fighting suzanne's former uh potential love interest i guess that's another conversation but uh you know when when she's taken over by you know the the, the other white power and she can control not white power that's <laughs> that <be> <laughs> yeah. awesome. uh, the see. energy the energy yes. uh, and she can you know make people do uh you know what, what she wants but you know she has that nullifier that uh, mitchell had given one to bradbury and one to kremlin and it was like you know this is this will you know shut down my powers if i ever get out of control if you ever need to and she uses it and nothing happens and he has that moment where he's like i'm a politician i lie and he throws her into the into the interdimensional rift and it was like damn this guy yeah yeah man and and that's the thing man it's like power corrupts and it's like but 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 are those who seek power inherently corrupt you know um yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot to chew on. Which, which and again, it's why I kind of feel like this is a series that's really worth revisiting and it's worth people checking out because it's like it really reframes a lot of these themes about you know, again, like who watches the Watchmen, like who like people have this power, like you know how 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 can you trust people to be responsible with it? How can you trust people to do the right thing? Like, will people do the right thing? And yeah, it's 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 very meaty. Yeah, there's um, you know, there was the the arc where Mitchell goes off the grid to rescue his mother, right, from the yeah. bad situation she's in, uh, you know, elsewhere. And was it New Mexico or I forget something like that, right? And uh, I was it. They were talking about his father or something. But she has this line where she's like, th- like thirty chapters of good deeds doesn't tell a man's whole story. And yes. you know, here we have fifty plus chapters, right? So the, the series ran 50 issues plus like a handful of specials. So not too far off from what she was saying, but kind of plays into that, right? Like we do see all these instances of him doing, again, like with the with gay marriage, it's like, wow, like he's making a progressive choice here, you know? So, and there are all these moments. And of course, what he did on 9-11, but it's like, yeah, that's not all, you know, he's not only that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and there's also like some really sort of, you know, again, like he 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 does some really good things. Like the the KKK issue is is really really that that's a big standout because it's yeah. like, you know, this idea that like the KKK wants to march, but like they're arguing that they can march in masks because because like there are laws about what you can and cannot do in public demonstrations while masked, and their argument is like, well, the mayor had a mask on and did his thing, so we can wear our masks and do our thing, and and it's like. Yeah, like kind of forcing him to kind of contend with that whole being a superhero and being a vigilante thing, and and like what that plays out as over time. And yeah, it's 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 fascinating. And again, like it's a testament to Vaughn for like really taking these issues and and kind of like really needling down on them and really digging deep on them because like 
you know, it'd be really easy to write like a superhero is politician thing and have it be like kind of like a, a surface read. And, and this is just like such a such a deeply intense dive into this stuff. Yeah, I mean, they really, I know, he really does give you a lot to chew on. And, you know, it's, the structure of most of these arcs is that you do still have a villain of the week or, you know, a villain of the arc, right? Uh, so you, you are still contending with that. And often that throws a wrench in the works of whatever issue they happen to be, you know, dealing with at the moment. But it, you know, it, it still doesn't get glossed over. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that he did take the time to go as deep as he did, uh, really, really very strong. But one thing I wanted, well, a few, few things I wanted to ask you, but, um, you know, like I said before, in a lot of instances, you know, M Mitchell, the character doesn't really share his true feelings on a lot. Like he really keeps a lot close to the, you know, his sexual orientation is one thing. I mean, that remains, you know, a bit of a question mark for, I mean, basically the entire series. And we have that moment with Bradbury at the end uh, where Bradbury confesses his love and, there looks like there might be a moment there. And then of course, you know, Mitchell pulls away and, and it all falls apart and Mitchell turns his back on him. Um, but as far as, again, kind of the character of Mitchell keeping, keeping some of those things close to the chest, do you think that was a way for Vaughn to not have the book itself, like take as strong of a stance? Does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, you know, and it's sort of an interesting question because, and it even gets into this where it's like, you know, where even his staffers, like he's talking about how he doesn't want to talk about his sexuality. And he's like, well, any politician who doesn't want to talk about their sexuality, everyone assumes is gay. Um, and, and, and yeah, like it was interesting that, that, that Vaughn kind of chose that to, to cover up. Um, because, uh, you know, a lot of politicians will say, like, what does it matter? Like, it's not my job to, like, I, like I, the death penalty was another good example where he, right. like, he gets onto this radio show and, and the radio host is kind of, like, needling him in a stance. And he's like, what does it matter? Like, I don't legislate on that. I have no influence over the death penalty. I can't change it one way or the other. What does it matter? Um <clears throat> you can kind of make the argument that it does matter. It's, it's important to know whether or not you think people should be summarily executed for, for crimes. You, you know, the death penalty is a very complicated issue. Like if someone is going to be in charge of us, we should probably know where they stand on it. But again, at the same time, like if they have no influence on it, doesn't matter for their day-to-day -day job. Like, does it matter for the mayor to, you know, make policy on like real estate taxes and like the MTA and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, it, I guess I guess that's a really interesting question that I don't really have a good answer to of like what Vaughn's reasoning was for holding those things back. Um, because it also then kind of he, he does reveal things like, again, with the, with the marijuana smoking, where it's like you've got this sort of ongoing flashback of him tracking down like this dealer um, who's basically a low level dealer who at one point says like, man, I just sell some pot and like you're, you're, you're chasing me across the city for this. And at the very end of the arc, like Mitch is, is lighting a joint because it kind of like helps him relax. Mm -hmm. And now granted at this point, he's evolved on the issue and, and he wants to legalize um, marijuana, even though he, he doesn't have that power. Um, but it also shows like a degree of hypocrisy where like, you know, sure he evolved, but like he also once like killed himself to like nearly killed himself to bring like a low level dealer to, to justice and meanwhile is like happy to to smoke pot on his own, you know, and maybe is like trying to like apologize for his past mistakes by legalizing it. So yeah, no, it's uh 
it's interesting what Vaughn chooses to show and not choose, uh, show and not show, and and like what that says about Mitchell and and the questions that it leaves you with about him. Right. Yeah. Uh, We're we're there. And, and, you know, with the with that with the pot dealer, you know, and and we find out he ends up, you know, getting stabbed, trying to break up a prison fight and and dies. And his mother uh, lights herself on fire and kills herself in in a protest on the steps of city hall so it's like yeah you really had you know yeah mitchell kill almost killing himself and this guy in the in the pursuit of him initially uh and then you know these really sad uh you know tragic consequences after the fact so yeah it really uh it, i mean it really it really does get into some complicated questions and i think explores them in in a meaningful way it gives you as a reader a lot to you know to kind of chew on were there any issues that uh because they, co- I mean, re- honestly, in 50 issues, I feel like he really covered a lot. Were there any issues that you were like, oh, like, I'm surprised that they didn't get into that? Or I really would have, I really, really would have loved to see Vaughn's take or Mitchell's take on X. You know, I'm not so sure. I feel like, I mean, I mean, New York's a city. It's like a gift that keeps on giving from a storytelling perspective, you know, but I, but I like that he was sort of dealing with the, this kind of finite term, um, you know, and, and. Mitchell at one point saying like, you know, I want to concentrate on my job, not being reelected and I'm just going to like serve out my term. And then my deputy mayor, you know, you should, you should take him in next. Um, so I, I kind of like that sort of self-contained nature of it. And, and, and you, cause this is the kind of thing you could have drawn out over, you know, a, a mayor can run for a second term. It could have been an eight year story and, and it could have gone deeper and deeper and deeper into these weird little intricacies of like being the mayor of New York city. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I could sit here all day and talk about like, oh, cool. it'd be more cool to like see like some of the fundraising aspects and see some of the real estate lobby. But then that's like the, the government nerd in me, like getting way too intense about it. Um, I, I think in terms of telling like just sort of like a complete story, um, I, I think Vaughn did a pretty good job. And, and that was the fun thing about revisiting it and like reading it within a couple of days where it was like, oh, yeah, like sometimes it's fun to just sit down and like read something from beginning to end. Like in comic books, because like, I mean, you know, we can do that with novels all the time, but I think with comics, we're a little bit more used to stories that just go on forever. Um, and so it's it's nice to kind of feel like, okay, finite start point, finite end point, and, you know, and that was fun while it lasted. Yeah, that's something that, I mean, with creator-owned comics in general, but especially with Vaughn stuff, I always I always appreciated that he, he built towards an ending and, and that these were, you know, really, pl- I mean, I, and it seems in, you know, whether it's why or, or this book or, you know, paper girls or saga, it's like he has, you know, he has his game plan. Um, and, and I do appreciate that. And I think it, it gives the book some momentum, like, you know, you're building towards something and, you know, I mean, 50, 50 plus issues is not a short run, right? So it's, it's definitely, you know, enough. Um, but at the same time, yeah. it's like, you, you feel, you know, you feel satisfied and you've had a complete story. And, you know, from yeah. the first issue, right, like we open, we know, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting with Mitchell in the future, some you know, at some point down the line, and we know things don't go great. Like so, there's this very ominous cloud like hanging over the book from the, from the very beginning, uh, and you know you're building to it. And then you know, finally, in that last issue, we finally get to the point of of vice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know you know we've obviously touched on a, a number of characters, but you know there are a number of key players right throughout the book. In addition to Mitchell himself, you know, of course, we talked about Kremlin and, and Bradbury, his two first allies, and of course things sour with Kremlin and, and ultimately with Bradbury as well. Though the the latter is with him for you know almost the entire series as his you know top security guy. 
Um, any other uh, dynamics, characters that uh, that you wanted to talk about that really stood out or resonated? I really, I, I liked uh, Deputy Mayor Wiley a lot um, because I thought that Vaughn did a lot of really smart thing in terms of like addressing race issues. Um, you know, which, which granted, on, on one hand, like he's like the main character is a white guy, Vaughn's a white guy, Tony Harris is a white guy. So they're obviously writing from like uh, a, a white and privileged perspective. But I think that they, they, a lot of the conversations that were happening there about like, you know, where Wiley had come from and, and his level of effectiveness um, and his potential as like a mayor of New York, you know, were, were pretty smart and pretty well handled. Um, and the book does deal with race issues as it goes on, um, which is, you know, impossible to not deal with in a, in a city like New York and a story set in New York. So yeah, no, I, I, that's something I, I would have liked to see more of is more of him. Because whenever he was around, I was always really interested, and um, and also uh, Candy, the chief of staff, because mm -hmm. she was pretty hardcore, and, and and it was an interesting dynamic that she was sort of like uh, she was much more to the right, like she was like a, a right to lifer, and and you know, she 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 was. It, it was almost like they like her and Wiley were sort of like the political opposites. Like and 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 Mitchell was like just a little bit like down the center of the two of them. Yeah, yeah, they were, and that's the thing. I mean, everyone, I you know, were they? Everyone was so uh, fully realized. I mean, they really felt like people. You know, not not characters. You know, on, on a comic book page. Uh, a testament yeah. to both the writing and the art. Uh, yeah, though, I mean, I, I really, I mean, honestly, I really enjoyed the entire uh, supporting cast. Um, I enjoyed. Maybe as as a lawyer, uh, Ray, his his uh, his attorney and his his friend from childhood, and also the um, who looked just like Clark Kent, by the way, which was, he did, right? Okay, yeah. so it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah, I was. I had that same thought. Too. I'm like, am I just like seeing this? But I'm like, no, I think yeah, was. <laughs> it was very clear. Um, and the priest, and and as someone who was raised Catholic, the the friendship with the priest and the, the boxing priest, no less, um, and the trip to the Vatican, all of that is very very interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and again, like another testament to what Vaughn does is he makes like fully realized side characters who might only show up for like a few pages or just like pop in every now and again, but like you get their gist, you get why they're important. They have a dis unique and distinctive voice like yeah like the boxing priest like he was fantastic um you know and 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 i say this as someone who like fights a little bit and was raised catholic like it's just sort of like a it's an interesting dynamic and um and he came in when it was important and yeah no um yeah the the series is just rich with like really good little side characters and side jams yeah. Yeah. It really fleshes out this world, uh, I think, in a really effective way. And, you know, actually, though, with the priest, it's, it's funny because, you know, we talked about how there are other instances with certain issues where Mitchell, you know, kind of holds things back. But, you know, the priest asks him, or, do, do you believe in God? And he actually gives, a, you know, it seems like a genuine answer, right? Where, yeah, yeah, uh, where he talks about basically, I, I'm, I'm not remembering the, the all the specifics of it, but basically like he is not an atheist, um, but doesn't believe that there's a guy sitting up there, you know, with, with a white beard, um, but believes that there's some kind of force that kind of, you know, started everything, right? Was that the, the general just? Yeah. Yeah, essentially. You know, so I thought that was, that was interesting. And yeah, the trip to the Vatican um, with uh, the, 
the the priest who wanted to uh, perform an exorcism on on, on Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I guess that's the thing, right? Like, and hey, it is really interesting because, you know, he gets powers, right? So to Kremlin and Bradbury, it's like, you'd be a superhero. To, you know, to a priest, maybe it's like, this guy's got the devil in him. It's like, you know, really <laughs> as a matter of uh, perspective, people can project, you know, different things. Yeah, and then you know the the police commissioner is like, well, you are a threat, and you're yeah. a, a buffoon and a looney tune, and you know I have to keep an eye on you. Um, which again, that was another fun dynamic with the the woman who was the um, the police commissioner, and like how she has to handle this guy who like used to be a superhero and and used to be sort of like their public enemy number one for a little while, who is now her boss. Um, and I just love that scene where like, cause she had promised him like, you know, if you ever get back in costume, I'm going to take you down. And then like, he has to get back in costume for something and all the cops pop out with bows and arrows, which is like the what like, uh, cause he can talk to guns. He can tell them to not fire, but like a, a bow and arrow, he's got nothing on. And um, yeah. And it's like, yep, yep. You had this plan the whole time. Yeah. She was, yeah. That's the thing. Like she was ready for him. She was, she yeah. was definitely ready yeah. for him. Uh, so listen, we've been chatting for a, a little bit over an hour. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet? Anything that, uh, that, that you wanted to hit on? I don't know, man. We covered a lot. Um, yeah, it was just, I, it, it made me, it made me want to sort of like, I actually, I, I'm trying to find my saga comics now. Cause I'm like, maybe I'm just going to read some Vaughn for a little while. Um, I, cause I revisited why the last man within like the last year, and um but saga i feel like is do a reread and i know they went on hiatus so like i'm trying to figure out like when they're coming back but um yeah no like i i also like i haven't i haven't sat down and just like dug through comics in a little while i've been reading like a lot of like research stuff and a lot of like homework reading so it's like a series like this is just great man because it just reminds me of like why i really dig reading comic books and why I, i i like getting lost in them so uh yeah yeah no it's it's just it, it was fun to just sort of like jam out a bit on this and and kind of go back through them and and it's it's super cool that like you were you know you had read some of it but now you were reading it for the first time so it's like getting those differing perspectives and yeah yeah it was i gotta say like i i genuinely enjoyed this and like i said i, I still have some mixed feelings about the ending not quite sure what the full intention of it was i mean and you know for anyone listening who's like uh, you know <laughs> what what's the final conclusion here it's like i don't know i think i think it's kind of up to the reader and i, I agree with you i mean I, I genuinely believe like you know vaughn laid it out the way he did you can interpret it i think in in different ways i do think you know we do see very clearly right that mitchell has done things that you didn't necessarily think he was capable of or didn't think he had done. And and then you find out that he did in terms of rigging the election. Uh, again, the way he turns his back on Bradbury and, and, and executes Kremlin. I mean, these are huge, you know, huge turns for the character. But again, I do think they kind of track. And so what the ultimate motivation was, right? Like, like, you know, we were debating, not debating with each other, but <laughs> debating this question of like whether, uh, you know, this was kind of always within him or the, the, the power brought it out. Yeah. I don't know. And I think, you know, for anyone listening to this, it's like, I encourage them to reread it and they might pick up something different. You know, I, I think that that is really one of the great things about just like a political issue, right? Like you can <laughs> examine it from different sides and people are going to have different perspectives. I, I think probably something similar here with, with this character in the series. 
Yeah, yeah. This is definitely one of those ones that's like there, there, there's no, there's no clear moral landing point. Like it's, it's, it's a very good sort of you know, you're gonna get out of it what you go into it with, which is, which is sometimes like the best kind of storytelling. Right, and I, you know, and again, I'll, I'll let you go. I don't want to, do that, but uh, <laughs> I, and I, I don't. I mean, I really think you, you know, someone might read this. I mean, again, I think a, a number of Mitchell's choices are are hard to justify but at the same time if you think you know based on the way he handled the various issues that popped up throughout the run that he handled them in the right way and he really does have the public's best interest at heart and he's the one for this job you know you could make an ends justify the means argument with kremlin not that kremlin quote unquote deserved what he got in the end but basically was a thorn in Mitchell's side and <laughs> caused a lot of trouble for him again. I, I you know, yeah. but so, but I, so I don't know. I mean, I think you can, I don't know. Someone might read this and like he's the hero of the story. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely not, not that cut and dry. And I think the, the final issue even lays that out so much. Like there are no happy endings, right? I think is sort of the, yeah, you know, our, our starting point in that issue, it's, you know, it's just just happy pauses. Right. And even this, like we see him as vice president, you know, but we don't know what happens after that. So I think it's yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot, I think, for the reader to do, which which is good. And I, I agree with you. I think it lends itself well to uh, to rereads. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So right, I promise this is the last thing I did. This has popped <laughs> into my head and I wanted to ask you this as, yeah. as a lifelong New Yorker and especially, you know, living through 9-11 and everything. So, we, you know, we have in this series a, a New York where one tower was saved. Um, was Were there, and the answer just might be no to this, were there, was there anything in the series that you you kind of were like, oh, like that's a little detail that you know, it kind of reflects the fact that we're in an altered reality where one tower was saved, right? I mean, obviously one tower going down is still an, un, you know, it's still a, a tragedy, of, of course. So I think a lot of stuff plays out the way it would otherwise. But was there anything that you were kind of like, oh, like that's a little bit different than I remember or that I would expect, but maybe that's because of this, you know, alteration? You know, that's interesting. Um because I'm always really like hyper aware of, of stories that are set in New York and like whether or not they're accurate. Um, and because I always get pissed off when I'm watching like a movie and someone's like pulling up to a bar and they get a parking spot right out front. It's like, <laughs> right. oh, like because the reality is you would have to drive around for 45 minutes. And also, why would you have your car in the first place? It's, it's Manhattan. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think Vaughn got a lot like, like he, he wrote a very authentic New York. And the thing that really kind of stuck out to me, and, and I wonder if, if it's true and if, if it would have happened, is like, and it was obviously Vaughn, like like this was Vaughn coming through, like, you know, because Mitchell's whole thing is like, he's a civil engineer. He thought the World Trade Center was like kind of ugly because like they were just two giant popsicle sticks and, you know, but his thing is like, okay, they knocked them down. We put them back up the same way they were, you know, and we, right. and, and we say like, you know, you, you can't. You, you can't change the iconic landscape of New York City where we're just going to put it back. And so I wonder if like only one tower had been knocked down, if we would have just, you know, built back the other one the same instead of, you know, the the goofy Freedom Tower that we put up in its in the place of the two. So that's something that that, that kind of fascinates me is like how that rebuilding process would have changed if one of the buildings were still there. And, and I kind of wonder like, 
while it was clearly Vaughn making a personal statement, uh, I wonder if it was more right than it was wrong. Gotcha. Yeah, that is a good question. Yeah, I, that would probably stand out to me as well. Um, there wasn't, I, as I was going, I was kind of had that in the back of my head and there wasn't anything else particularly. But yeah, I just figured I, I, would, I would pick your brain about that. Uh, well, listen, this really was a lot of fun. I, I, I appreciate you taking yeah. the time to do the reread. Um, uh, you know, again, I mean, maybe especially as, as, as a novelist and someone who reads a lot, I mean, 50 comics might not, might not be a big deal, but it was still not, not a small reading project. So I appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate your time. And, and it was really great to get your insight, um, as a fan of Vaughn and, and as a New Yorker and as someone who, you know, uh, worked in city government, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, uh it, it was really yeah, great to yeah. get that perspective. Yeah, this was definitely my sweet spot. And again, thank you so much for having me on. Um, you know, I'm totally down to do it again sometime if you want. Just like pick a different series and I'll go to town on it. Because, yeah, man, like talking about comic books is fun. Right? It, yeah, yeah. That's what, and, you know, I, I've said I say this on pretty much all of these episodes, but I do this because it, it does motivate me to finally read the stuff that's been on my shelf. And I also yeah. find like I, I enjoy the reading experience. Like I'm engaging with the material more knowing that I'm going to talk about it as opposed to, yeah. if I were, and it's, I mean, it's perfectly fine to just read for leisure, but I, like, I, I do enjoy it more reading, knowing that I'm going to be talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't want to sound dumb. <laughs> which which is what which was how i felt the entire time i was rereading these i'm like pay attention i don't want to sound dumb when i'm talking about this <laughs> well yeah i mean well with this in particular i know there's uh there's a there's a lot to there's a lot going on and a lot to track um but yeah. but again thank you very much i hope everyone uh, uh checks out uh rob's work again he gave the links earlier and um you know i'll include it in the description as well so i i really hope that uh you you'll check out rob's stuff i will very likely take you up on your offer and invite you back in the future uh rock and roll that'll be great uh and to our audience thank you as always for tuning in Uh, we'll be back with a new episode in two weeks and until then remember they're all imaginary stories my comic shop book club is a flat squirrel production art by Kristen san gregorio music by basic printer if you like what you heard be sure to check out my other podcasts digging for kryptonite and my comic shop history sign up for exclusive content including the official book club companion podcast at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato and watch my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, out now on Apple TV and Amazon.